Hey there, I'm Christine. And I'm Stephanie. And welcome to the Incremental Steps podcast. We're a couple of smart, curious women trying to strike a balance between career, family, and self-care while striving to leave the planet better off than the way we found it. We're learning that we can't do it alone, like most things. We need each other, all of us. So every couple of weeks, we're going to check in for support in these difficult times and challenge each other to find new ways to leave a lighter footprint. Hey, hey, Stephanie. Hey, Christine. How Good are you? morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. We're recording early this time because we took a break from Mother's Day yesterday. Did you have a good day? Yeah, I had a great day. Um, so I got to go see the Georgia Guidestones, which is this, um, it's like one of the weirdest uh, little roadside attractions in all of America. And I got to go see it for Mother's Day yesterday. So that was fun. I did research after you told me that's what you were doing and looked it up. And uh, I can't wait to talk about that a little bit. I hope that's one of your I could talk abouts this morning. Should we just dive into our I, mean, it I can could be. talk about? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I could I could talk about Stonehenge two hours from my house. I could talk about um, opening back up our community and having all the feels about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could talk about leveling up and taking advantage of free classes. I could talk about how bittersweet uh, my Mother's Day was yesterday as my youngest is 18 and graduating from high school. No doubt. Um, I could talk about Maud Aubrey and the power of bold action. Yep. Um, I could talk about activism and how last week was packed full of it for, and for some really All tough reasons. reasons. Yeah. 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 Um, I could talk about uh, think globally, act locally. Mm. Um, I could talk about mental health during the um, pandemic. Okay. We got a lot of serious topics to talk about. We do. We do. <laughs> just, I want one more. I want to, I, w- I could talk about random acts of kindness and senseless beauty. Do you remember when that was a thing? Do you remember uh, when that was a thing? Yes. Let's bring it back. Why is that not a thing Let's right now? So I could totally talk about the flowers in my yard right now because the beauty. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I know you could. <laughs> Your flowers, like everything in your life, tell a story. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That is a good way. I don't know if I told you in one of the recent podcasts that my dad shipped me a box of um, irises and um, he shipped me the rhizomes, right? And my mom was so cute because she knows how, like, I have a friendship garden and I know where my plants come from. To me, it's kind of like placemaking. And so my mom had taken the different bulbs and put them in um, little brown baggies. She's She was a teacher for many years. And she labeled them, like, not only what color they were, but whose yard they came from. That's because nice. their street had done, they were cleaning out beds and they were swapping flowers. And so she she sent me a whole box and um, you know, one of my neighbors who I grew up with who has long since passed away, but my cousin now owns their property. Like she put on there from uncle Ron and Homer and Hammer's house. And you know, like, Oh, that's yummy to know our place. And where that is, that is nice. Yeah. yeah I, I have the same thing going on locally. Um, people have started to know that I'm somebody that keeps herbs and that kind of thing. And so, um, 
Like last year, a coworker gave me some hostas and I've got some uh, daylilies that a neighbor um, split and I didn't actually, wasn't going to use it all anymore. And so I've got, yeah, I've got little patches of community I'm, in my garden too. It makes my heart smile. It oh, really does. Like uh, nice. those amaryllis is from my um the red ones from my grandmother's farm just have given me lots of life during this uh sheltering in place time because they're beautiful and they make me think of her and um home so yeah it so, also gives you a sense of continuity that like it, despite the disruptions going on it does around us you know the the earth is still spinning around the sun things are it does. One of my uh, favorite artists, Rising Appalachia. Do you know them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they... Herbal conferences. Yeah, absolutely. And I know them also from Alternate Roots, um, my arts and activism organization. They have a song called Resilient. And in there, they talk about your roots going down, 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 down. And that's what I think about when I think about things like sharing plants and knowing their lineage and you know to me that's that's our roots so yes that needs to be our first get we need to get rising appalachia on our on our podcast oh to be a guest on our podcast yeah, that's a new goal, goal oh the podcast. i didn't know we were going to open up to guests if we start opening up to guests you bet let's do it yeah all right let's open well, up to guests why not tell why not let's just add a whole nother level of let's coordination just make this a lot more complicated all right <laughs> maybe after we get past the next month i personally don't have the bandwidth um with sounds, this uh, senior reasonable. graduating and uh, college decisions and all the chaos that is at my house at the moment but um yeah totally open to it in the future so yeah. tell me about your weekend because when you texted me where you were going for your field trip i was like what is she talking about so i got online and read all about it but i want our listeners to know because i was like what this is awesome. i think it's i think it's wild that you of all people have never heard of this um, right because so, you know I, ha I even had an app for a while about wild and weird things on road trips so yeah. i was i was delightfully surprised to hear about this you know i texted somebody else too and they hadn't heard of it either i was stunned i thought everybody knew about this place so it's okay so um it is a series it's four big um granite stones 15 feet tall and that doesn't sound that tall when you say it but then when you're there you're like oh these are actually tall um and it has a capstone and it gets compared to stonehenge a lot and it has on um on each side of those four things it has instructions for um society to come together uh, following an apocalypse in eight different languages so like eight of the most prominent world languages are on there and um, it's kind of controversial. Some, some of it has been compared, uh, has, has had, a, it's been said to have like a eugenics uh, tone. Although I think, I mean, it says something like reproduce responsibly or something like that or uh, carefully. And I think that's where that comes from. But I think what they mean is, you know, take it easy on the reproduction thing. Like don't. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a whole bunch of instructions for like how you should rebuild a society and, and what an ideal society would look like. It's, it's just fascinating. And it was, it's not like, I don't know, when you think of things like this, when you think of like a monolith somewhere, you assume it's a thousand years old. This was put there in 1980. 
Right. Well, and when I was reading up on it after you told me about it, it was, you know, the mystery is what was a big part of it. Yeah, that's fun. How it was funded and uh, the people in charge, like the guy even had a, a fake name. When he yeah, R.C. Christian. Came to talk and, and do this. And the other thing that was interesting is how it is like the largest monument. And the now it's, a, it's in North Georgia, right? Yeah, it's in Elberton, which is on the way to Lake Hartwell. Oh, okay. Okay, so I've probably passed it on I-85 a hundred times and not known how close I was. You really have to be going to this place to go okay. to this place. All right, how far off of I-85 is it? Maybe 20 minutes. Oh, okay, not bad. It's not super bad, but you would never find it. Just right. Happening well, that's it. what's fascinating, right? And the reason it's there is because of the granite the 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 artists and the quarry were there and because it was so huge yeah like that is it is i'm gonna have to go i used to have an app on my phone um and i i took it off because it was taking a lot of stuff a data space whatever um about road trips like wild and wacky things when you're on road trips and so it pops up to like where you're going and i love stuff like that i love checking it out one of the first books that I bought when I moved to Georgia was Weird Georgia, and it was in there. So it's always been one, something I wanted to do, but I had never done it. And since we were trying to do something that um, we were desperate to get out of the house, we were just bored, all of us, and um, wanted to do something where it wouldn't be a huge crowd. And I was like, well, why don't we just finally go do the Guidestones thing? And everybody was on board for once. So I was like, well, yeah, let's do it. So that's what we did. Very, very cool. It was a gorgeous yeah, was day, too. Oh, yeah, it was a beautiful. gorgeous day. And it was funny. There were like 15 or 20 people there when we went there. Okay. Were people wearing masks? No. But everybody oh. was pretty well-spaced. It wasn't a big deal. Okay. All right. I, um, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about um, getting into the swing of things again. So I, I know it's there's really two very polarized camps right now and I think we're all going to have to find our way back to the middle somehow but so there are people that are definitely like how dare you keep me from my job how dare you take my uh freedom and independence away um and how dare you expect me to do anything uh, to protect other people right um and then there's the other side of people who are reluctant to leave their house, reluctant to uh, even go shopping or do things. And um, so those are the two extremes. Um, And I I have to say, I'm definitely way more to the side of the, I'm not all the way to the side of don't leave the house, don't do anything, but it's, I was there and finding my way back to the middle is a bit of a. uh, I think I'm still in that camp. Um, you know, my husband, Joe is a senior field service engineer who installs, teaches people how to use and repairs the big scientific machines in the center for disease control, the CDC and universities all around. And, um, so we're connected to a lot of scientists. We're collected, we're connected to a lot of people that are on the ground. And, um, I just personally, we're opening up way too soon. 
and I have people in my life that I want to protect that have autoimmune issues and, um, and myself even like my autoimmune stuff, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't trust with this new, I have a friend that I am pretty sure she had coronavirus before we even were talking about it. Like as we look back in hindsight, like her symptoms were crazy wild and um, she's currently having hearing loss in one ear. And she thinks it's tied to that. And, you know, the new symptoms and new things are coming out that, um, that are, are pretty like, it's not like what we're used to. And it has long-term effects, even if it's not death. So I'm still, when all this first started, I don't know why I had in my head, but I thought, eh, normalcy is probably not going to happen until at least June. So when all this started opening up in May, as much as I want to be out there, like it is gorgeous, it is sunny, like, oh, like I want to be like the dog where the back gate is open and you just run for all your worth, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm and, not. And, and also it's an exceptionally gorgeous spring. Like we, a lot of uh, times we get a lot of rain and it's right? just been really beautiful. This, it's very this tempting. I know we were having conversations in my house this weekend because, you know, I have the 18 year old and she's a senior and and she said, mom, I think all my friends are done social distancing. So that's another layer of complexity because now she's seeing her friends out and about and hanging out. And we had conversations about this because we're not, you know, the one side is always like, oh, if you're living in fear and da, da, you know, I don't live my life that way. Um, But I also... I come usually from a place of common sense with, combined with science and we don't have the answers right now. And I think that's the thing. And, and I am in a place of privilege, you know, that Joe is having to go out there every day and do his job. So we already have one that we're desanitizing and being cautious about. And, and then I work from home. So I've got that luxury that I can do what I do for the most part. I mean, my community groups are still not opening up, but I don't know when they will. And um, yeah, it is, I think you said in the, in the beginning, I could talk about, about like disparities and things like that. I'm, I'm very aware of the privilege that I have to even make this decision that, that I want to still be sheltering in place for a while. Well, and I think it's important for us to be sure that we um, address the realities of everybody's position mm-hmm. and and try to address it without adding a lot of judgment to it. So right. the whole thing about like living your life in fear, well, that's, I mean, that's not really fair. Um, that's people having to make difficult decisions to, to not um, be involved in things. And I don't, I don't know that that's fear. I think that's caution. Right. Um, But that is one of the marketing messages that is out there right now about trying to get people back out in the economy. Right. And, um, yeah, it's part of the, um, it's part of the propaganda message that's out there right now. I would agree. Um, and on the other side, um, I hear people saying that the people that are going back to work and doing things are careless. Um, or are uh, disregarding public safety. And it's really not fair to attack people who have to make difficult decisions. Absolutely. 
Well, and especially because we don't have the systems in place to protect people. Like, I mean, I fully believe one of the reasons uh, that they opened back up as early as they did is to get people off the unemployment rolls. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a choice. If you're not right. receiving unemployment and you have to feed your family, which affects some of the people that are at the highest risk and already, you know, on the margin socioeconomically. So it's not an easy decision. I do have to admit, I have to cop to some judgment about the folks that are just out and about for fun, um, you know, that are gathering in large groups in places. I have a little, um, you know. Okay. I, um, okay, but I also think it's human nature to react to polarizing language. Yeah, and, I do. And where, you, where we would maybe be able to kind of come together a little bit more in the middle, when you use polarizing language, you drive people the opposite right? direction. So right? maybe they wouldn't be doing that if there wasn't this. Right, absolutely. If we weren't creating this. Being manipulated. People are, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the mass controversy is like one of those things that is so silly. Like, I mean, we've got proof that it makes a difference when you wear a mask and, um, not a huge thing. I saw this meme going around that I really like. Um, it, it says something to the effect of like, no shirt, no shoes, no service didn't affect your freedoms. Why does <laughs> adding a mask to it? Like, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's something that, that you think about, like businesses have always been able to say no shirt, no so shoes, no service, um, which we could dive deeper into that one. But, but well, we can also dive into where those messages are originating and what yeah. their real purpose is, which is, I believe, um, is demonizing other people, like trying to polarize yeah. our conversations so that it's easy to um, manipulate. Right. Right. Side. And divide us. Right? right. Divide us. Instead of looking at the big issues like in our country, in America, we have some fundamental problems with social safety nets that other countries don't. Um, that this pandemic is really highlighting as far as access to health care and um, access to basic services. Um, the, the whole decision of whether you have to go into work, whether you're sick or not, you know, that's, these are, these are big issues that we don't tend to really look at. Yeah. I mean, I lost my job over these issues. Right. Right. So yeah. Don't have to tell me. So there was an article in the Atlantic this last week. Um, if I can just read a little bit from that um, about um, the, the Atlantic had a guide to staying safe as States reopen. And um, I want to see a little bit of what it said. It said, um, many, but not all parts of the country have at least gotten out of an acute emergency phase for the time being, um, according to Elizabeth Carlton, a professor at the Colorado School of Public Health. She now sees a shift toward trying to come up with strategies that allow people to resume some parts of their own lives that are the least risky. Uh, we need to find a way to slow the spread of the virus. It also allows us to maintain our mental and financial health. The safest thing to do if you can manage it is still to stay home. But now is the time when, unlike the past six weeks or so, some in people in some parts of the country can consider cautiously reintroducing some non-essential activities into their life after weighing the risks to themselves and others. The theme of the next chapter of the pandemic then is choice. Local and state governments are now presenting Americans with a menu of things they can do, again, but should they? 
because different parts <laughs> of the country are and will continue to be in different stages of their outbreaks, there generally aren't yes or no answers that apply nationwide. In general, it's better to err on the side of caution, but there are guidelines that can help you think about the safety of others, the safety of everyday activities. It's safer to socialize outdoors, on patios, lawns, driveways, and so on. If you do choose to risk an outdoor and indoor visit, it's a good idea to open the windows and keep the space well ventilated. I was reading an art another article this week, um, and I can post it, but it was definitely saying, um, like our homes still are the most dangerous places if we're, if we bring it into the home. So that indoor visit, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's stick with the outside. <laughs> so have you done that? Like I know um, my daughter is really wanting to be out of the sort of social isolation thing. And we kind of have a rule, like they can come over, they can hang out, they can have a campfire. Um, but they need to be six feet apart and the chairs spaced out and they need to be outside somewhere. We're, we're not bringing other people's germs into our house. Well, early, um, when this all first started, we were doing driveway, like, you know, cause you came over before we got in complete yeah. lockdown. Um, and we did one last one a couple of weeks ago cause my dear friend and neighbor moved. And so we did them, um, we were eight feet apart on the driveway. We have it in a couple of weeks and I've really noticed how it's affecting everybody's um, depression level in my household. So I've already got it on the schedule this week to do some social distance tea with um, some of our besties and, you know, be outside and be six to eight feet apart and have, you know, bring our own tea, like do the things that are self-sufficient. But yeah, it's, boy, it's so hard to make these decisions. But um, I know that one of my daughters is really struggling with this. So it's, I think I'm going to have to for mental health reasons. So Right, which is what the article said. You've got to kind of yeah. balance the yeah. health and financial issues and, um, yeah, social ones. We are, we are social animals. Right. We are meant for connection. Um, this, uh, <laughs> on this article that you're reading, I love it, says, can I hug my friends again? Um, did we, where does that, what's the answer to that in that article? The answer to that was yes, but cautiously. Like, you can hug family members that don't. You know. Cough on them. Wear your mask. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's better if you don't. Yeah. It's better if you yeah. don't hug somebody. But and you know, don't be out in public doing that. Right. I have to say, know. one of my friends in Texas, who her family has an awesome sense of humor, and she has a grown son. And um, so for Mother's Day, um, they, uh, and they were totally doing it as a joke, but it was hysterical. So they completely, they wrapped each other in saran wrap. I guess they wrapped themselves in saran wrap. And then they put on mask and goggles, and then they gave each other a hug, because that's what she wanted for Mother's Day. Um, I think the saran wrap was the joke part. But but um, it was hysterical, and it made for a great photo op. <laughs> so, That's funny. That's sweet. Um, it was sweet. So, um, yeah, this is, um, it is interesting. Like, it is interesting how we do this, because we never have, right? Um, we've never been in this situation before. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. So... so well, speaking of mental health, I was looking up, um, 
I found on the CDC website, which was pretty cool because I didn't know it was there and it may be a new a new ad actually it talks about stress and coping and it talks about outbreaks can be stressful and um, fear and anxiety about a disease can be overwhelming and cause strong emotion in adults and children so and it I love this because this was boldened um, coping with stress will make you the people you care about and your community stronger which you know that's right up my alley with with self-care and stress relief right. um, so one of the things is it talks about everybody reacts differently to a stressful situation and the people who may respond more strongly to the stress in a crisis can include older folks and people with chronic disease who are at a higher risk for severe illness so that's the other thing when we were talking about judgment is we don't know who has what right i mean that's right. a, one of the things i need i i want to i want to be really aware of with folks we don't know folks history of their of their medical history and it's none of our damn business really um i have a dear friend in another state single mama she was getting ready to move she has a um she has a history of uh cancer she's a cancer survivor but she's still on that spectrum right her immune system has been compromised from what she's been through in the last couple of years and she needed to move this weekend and she called she called the moving company she asked all the questions you know what are you doing what are your precautions are you wearing masks da, 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 da. got all the quote-unquote right answers right they showed up without mask at her house on saturday and then they acted like she was the bad person for calling them on it and she fired them she because everybody was ugly to her about it and they were like people are opening the states back up and and i'm not putting you or my workers are at risk and and that's that other thing about polarizing right it you don't know like it was literally could have put her life at risk because she is in one of the highest risk groups but you can't tell by looking at her and she specked that out ahead of time and told she them that was totally did she told she didn't tell them about her diagnosis because it's none of their business right she did but, at the end but she had totally checked it out and that was one of the reasons she hired them was because they said they were taking precautions and their workers were taking precautions and you know and, and it wasn't the the mover's fault like when she got there she was like whoa wear your mask and they're like we don't have masks which also they hadn't had them all week so it's not just about you know it's been about all the houses they've been like it just feels so crazy making to me so i was so proud of her for firing them but then that was a huge decision right because she was supposed to move this weekend and she has to put it off until this week um so it, you know these are real life decisions that also you know if you read any of the news today you still see how people that are healthy or people that you know are catching it and dying so it is interesting people's different reactions to it yeah yeah it well yeah that just seems it know, seems negligent it. doesn't it yeah. it seems really negligent but i do think this comes down to that we haven't had a centralized response from from the higher ups we haven't from state to state yeah. or from our national government and so people I, I think people don't know sometimes you know or because it's been so polarizing and because you know people feel like it's now political and they have to choose a side and it's um yeah it's crazy making well so, yeah it's it would be so easy to frame this as um 
Like think about during World War II, how everybody, uh, they had food rations, they had uh, tin drives. They did all these things because they knew it was for the greater good, that they needed it for the war effort, for whatever. If you really want to be seen as this being a wartime situation, then, then frame it as patriotism. Right. You do your patriotic duty to wear your mask and keep other people safe and healthy. Like, but unfortunately, would, what's, what's being framed as patriotism right now is opening our economy in the stock market defiance and our but but it's who is defying right it is that's the other thing about privilege and about um you know you were talking about um the i think in, in your i could talk about about um ahmad and about our country and the and what's going on you know it, here in georgia we all just found out last week that a young black man was killed while jogging in his neighborhood and uh there was video of it and the da um did not prosecute did not pick up uh, the two men this happened over two months ago and then somebody leaked the videotape and it went nationwide and people started responding and then on the opposite end you have in michigan you have uh, white men with assault rifles rushing a capitol building to protest their freedoms being taken away and That's just in michigan in other places too, right? I saw something and I try not to give a lot of attention to it because that will raise my anxiety. But, you know, these people walking into grocery shopping with assault weapons on, on their backs in the name of freedom is crazy. Like, and, and I want to say y'all, like I'm from Texas. Like I grew up that it's not if you had a gun it's how many guns did you have and what kind of <laughs> guns you had like so i'm not anti-gun like i i want to state that very clearly now i am about reform and i think this is ridiculous like i don't know maybe it's my mama's heart but um like nobody needs to be walking around with a semi-automatic assault rifle when you go into the damn grocery store come on folks that I don't think that's the point, but yeah. Right? I'm sorry. I'm, Let me get off that soapbox. Different episode. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't think I don't think grocery shopping is the point. Like you're right? going into grocery shopping with a with a AK-47, you're not mm -mm. you're not worried about getting. Yeah, but one thing I saw was about walking in without a mask and being, you know, allowed to go wherever they wanted to without a mask. And uh, okay. I mean, and let's talk about yeah, that. Okay. Like, frame that in a way that's not judgmental <laughs> right i struggle with that i really well, struggle sorry. with that right Whew. for whatever reason these are folks that feel threatened um and i don't i don't know how you how do you make people feel less threatened and ask them to to give of themselves a little bit for the safety of others i don't know i don't know how you, i don't i I'm going to meditate on that this week and I'm going to really work on it and see what I can come up with. But I think there are, there are very well-funded large organizations that are working to keep that mindset in place. And it's mm. a, it's a fight, it's a struggle. And you know what? Voting is probably the best Absolutely. way to, um, Absolutely. to combat that. I did a long post on my personal um, Facebook. Did you see that about Mother's Day? And you know, the, there was a woman, let me look up and tell you her name, because she did a fabulous job of um, writing about it. It's, she has a, a, I don't know if it's a blog or just a website called Letters from an American. And um, 
let me pull up because she did a great job talking about the history of Mother's Day and it being about women yeah. rising up and um, and saying no to war. And it was about the women's collective about making a difference. And um, and I've known that for years about Mother's Day. And but it's always a good reminder. And when um, when somebody posts about it in different language or different, I like to. I'd like to give them some props. Yeah, no, that was great. That was the story of Julia, uh, Julie uh, Wardlow, or I always get her name mixed up. But I get her name confused with the, with the Girl Scout leader. Um, right, that's that's Julia Gordon. That's Low is yeah. is the Girl Scout leader. No, she's, it she's was talking born. about um, how. It was yes, talking how. about um, yes, and the woman who wrote it is Letters from an American by Heather Cox Richardson. And um, she was talking about how, you know, the Hallmark Mother's Day card um, was started in 1908 when Anna Jarvis decided to honor her mother. But um, Mother's Day um, in the plural actually started in the 1870s when the sheer enormity of the death caused by the Civil War and the Franco-Prussian War convinced American women that women must take control of politics from the men who had permitted such carnage. Mother's Day was originally not designed to encourage people to be nice to their mothers. It was part of a women's effort to gain power to change modern society. Absolutely. And it can be a yes and, right? But when we think about carnage from wars, when we think, I mean, that, the pandemic, I mean, we're over 80,000 deaths right now. And it's yeah. mostly affecting um, people of color. We have higher deaths in the Black community and Latin, Latinx community um, than any other community. So yeah, there was an article in uh, the Yale Environment 360 um, that was talking about that, talking about the inequity of uh, where environmental injustice and coronavirus meet. And it has to do with the fact that um, if you grow up in, um, in areas that have uh, less pollution controls, um, more more of like heavy industrial roads and businesses and that kind of thing, you, you end up with the uh, kind of uh, compromised systems. You know, you're like more likely to have asthma, you're more likely to have uh, all kinds of respiratory issues. Uh, so you're gonna be more affected also by the coronavirus. And, you know, we tend to put those places in communities of color. Mm -hmm. And there's no, since there's no equitable way of regulating that right now, um, it can, that continues to happen. So, you know, our, our communities of color have compromised immune systems to begin with. So, and then they're also doing the work of a lot of the jobs that are considered essential. So there's two strikes against um, our people of color and um, we're not doing anything to, to prop them up and help them survive this. Well, and the other thing I would add to that, I completely agree with what you said. And the other thing I would add is white dominant culture. You know, one of the things well, yeah, about I mean, white dominant is. culture is the way things are framed is, you know, when the symptoms first came out, uh, what to watch for, it was what to watch for in white people. Like that's not ever said, but the symptoms, what I was reading about has been showing up. And did we talk about this last week? I can't remember. I've been doing so much activism work. I can't remember who I've talked to about what, but basically that's another reason is the symptoms were showing up different in people of color and they didn't know to watch for those symptoms. 
because what was being what was being talked about on the news and out there were more symptoms that were associated with with white people and well it's also similar to the way that um that like symptoms of heart disease are different in women than they are in men so yep. it's not it's not only color it's also gender um, right bias. it's both yeah yeah. And we have to start paying attention to that because, I mean, that's one of the things where racism is so insidious is because when you are part of the white dominant culture, you don't even, like, it, it's just, it's like a fish swimming in water. You're not even realizing that the water is wet. Like, you're, you're not paying attention to that. So I think it's good to have these discussions and to start talking about it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in some action to back it up. That's right. So pay attention <laughs> to legislation that's coming up in your neighborhood yeah. and find out like what what um, pollution legislation is happening and that kind of thing and, and be prepared to, to contact right. your legislators and let them know what you think about it. It's important. I know here in Atlanta, I have some good friends that work at the Housing Justice League and they do some of this work too. Uh, you know, that's what I always tell folks. Somebody asked me one time, like, what's the first step? You know, this can be really overwhelming. So one of the things I always tell folks is look to the people who are already doing the work. Look at who's been in your communities for years doing this work. There are people. And uh, see about volunteering for their organizations or supporting them financially if you can or writing letters um, with mm -hmm. them giving you talking points. You don't even have to, like... You know this because the League of Women Voters, right? I was going to say, uh, small plug, the League of Women Voters takes on a lot of positions on uh, things that are important to uh, women and families, and uh, it includes environmental issues and um, social justice issues, so that's one way. Another and they're nonpartisan. They've been doing it for over correct. 100 years. Yeah. That's right. We came straight out of the um, suffrage movement. Uh, there's another thing I want to give a, a little shout out to. Um, if you don't have the time to join an organization and fully commit to something, there is a there is a website called AmericansofConscience.com uh, that has a checklist. And usually it's weekly. I think it's been kind of in and out lately. Um, but she will publish a list of things that you can do that week. And you can just check off the things that week. Like this is the law that you, know, you need to let your nice. congressman know about. Or yeah. Um, so I'll put a link to that on our Facebook page, but it's, and it's called Americans of conscience. Mm -hmm, com. Okay. And it's a, it's a quick and easy way to kind of, well, not always easy, but quick way to, to look at some things that you can do this week right now. If you've got five minutes, if you've got 10 minutes to then I love it. doing something. So that's I used to do when we were out and about in the community and you know i was waiting on kids or waiting on an appointment or that was when i tended to do some of that stuff so i like knowing that resource is there um then and i mean you can even do it from home when you're waiting for your zoom call or you're you know sometimes i often find myself with five or ten minutes and it's not enough time to start a new project um, you know, or dive into something deep. And that's where I like to put some of that uh, activism by writing an email or making a call. I like to tuck it in there. Well, she's already done the research. Her name is Jennifer Hoffman. It does this list and um, it makes it easy to just nice. take a look and see what you can do. Um, let's... I'm so glad to know that this is available. Thank you. <laughs> Have we not talked about it before? I, you know, we may have, it, it feels okay. like there's been a tsunami of things. Like, like, <laughs> I yeah, am just swimming as fast as I can to keep Girl, my head above waters. <laughs> I know. 
Well, yeah, so I've been spending, so um, I'm trying to sort of reconstruct my career to be working freelance out of the house. And so one of the things I'm doing all the time in my, in my quote unquote spare time is um, taking free classes online. Like I, there, there are a lot of them being offered right now um, that are normally, you know, two, $300 and they're being offered for free right now during this time. So I am taking as much advantage of that as I can. Um, that's awesome. My daughter, the 22 year old is taking all the farming classes she can and somehow thinks on this less than one acre, we could have sheep and bees and chickens. And oh, get some goats. Will you get some goats so that I can have them come like once in a while to my yard and just be right. out my yard? <laughs> it is, you know, this kid came in this way. She has wanted a farm since she could talk. And so if she doesn't end up on a farm somewhere, I am going to be shocked. You could 100% have chickens and goats in your backyard. You have a huge backyard. I could. I could. Um, we've talked about the great chicken eggs. experiment before. Have we talked about the great chicken experiment? No. All right. Let's, we'll okay, save that, that, that sounds, for. I was going to say, that sounds like a long. Let's save that for another episode because there was a great chicken experiment. I'm not going to uh -oh. say it's not going it to happen go again. Well. It's, yeah. So we'll talk about that career chickens one time. Okay. And, well, um, yep. <laughs> that kind of brings me to our challenge. So we didn't really have a challenge last week except for self care. And I guess I will say I did a mediocre job of self care. Um, did get to get in the hot tub a couple of times, which is great. That is my, definitely my self care. Um, and it's really just been education. I've been just trying to, uh, to stick to routine, to go out and walk every day and, uh, to try and learn as much as I can. Well, that's huge self care. You need to, that's more than mediocre. If you're walking every day, like well, you can give yourself some props. Most days. Most days. Yeah. <laughs> I got out in the labyrinth more than usual. So I got in some more walks. I still wouldn't say I'm back to pre um, social distancing activity level, but yeah. I got up and did my yoga this morning and uh, walked in the labyrinth. And, um, and so you did all that already today. Yeah. Yeah. I did that um, before the sun rose. Go so, well, okay. you know, that's one of the things that's been such a challenge during this time is the, the, um, that slippery slope for me about sleeping late. I've been doing a lot more sleeping late than, cause you know, I need sleep, blah, yeah, yeah. but I know my biorhythms and just who I am. If I get up before the sun rises, I do better, even if it's on late, unless sleep. So, you know, I woke up before the sun this morning and I had that conversation with myself that you often have laying in bed should I sleep another hour or should I get up? And I thought, get up and start your week how you want it to go. So, um, so yeah, me, Rodney Yee, our 10 minutes. Then I went out and walked the labyrinth and thought about, of course, my brain. I had monkey brain. I did not have a clear brain because there's so much this week that I was just like. <laughs> yeah, I find when I meditate, it's very hard to stay, uh, to stay focused. So yeah, that's just something you'd be gentle with yourself about and just notice and then move on. Just be right. There's a, um, there's a mindfulness class that's being offered on Friday. Um, I'll send you, I'll, I'll post a link on Facebook for it. Um, so that you can see it, but it's being offered. I think it, it was, oh, George Washington university. Is it on zoom though? Uh, I think so. And is it late on Friday? No, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. I still, I can tell you this zoom fatigue is real. 
And um, especially for those of us that have things like ADD and neurological things, um, I need to write about it because I am just really starting to understand myself a little bit more in relation to this. That's um, interesting. It is. Well, I found myself so irritated this last weekend. I was on several Zoom calls. And now, of course, this was probably day six in a row of, you know, I'm doing a lot of my work online. And then even my fun stuff is online. And um, I was, I just found myself getting like really like unusually irritated about the fact that the host was not uh, muting everyone. That they were letting them mute themselves. And what I realized is it's not just me as a facilitator having judgment. There is that (laughs) because to me, that's my number. People have asked me, what's your number one tip? And my number one tip, if you're, if you're facilitating a zoom call is to mute everyone and they can unmute when it's their turn to speak. But otherwise, but what I realized for me is it, takes me to zero to a hundred percent overstimulated if all those little noises are happening at the same time. And I do definitely think it's part of my ADHD because I'm, you know, my brain tries to take all of that in and I get distracted by the little noises. And then, you know, I really, whew, yeah, I was, by by Saturday, I was like, if I never get online again, I will be okay with this. So I just want to say I don't think that's an ADD thing. I think that's just taking in information. Like, it's- well, I think it's heightened. I think it is. Um, and I might be wrong, but I've been reading a little bit about it. Um, I think it is um, the sensitivity level to the no because. I feel it like in my body, like it feels toxic in my body and it's exhausting. Like Mm -hmm. I literally, if I'm the difference between being on a call where somebody has everybody muted and not like I could literally go and sleep for hours after a call where somebody has not like it wears me out that much. Um, And it's like all systems are like "Ah," short circuited (laughs) and even over things that I like to do that are fun. And uh, yeah. I'm just paying attention to it. Learning what it's like to be me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, introverted. I am. Yeah, that's how I am. Every time we do something in person, it takes so much energy for me to stay focused and to stay right present. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. it is exhausted after and you're always like let's go do something right the extra well that's what's so challenging about this too and where I'm really paying attention right because the extrovert in me loves the connection loves connecting loves being with the people um but my my systems are not liking the platform so and and realistically even if things are opening up you know, a lot of the things I do, like classes and workshops that gather more than 10 people, they're not going to be opening up for a little bit. And so this is at least a couple more months, I think it's going to happen. So. All right. Okay. So back to our challenge. So our challenge. Right. So we're, dun, 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 dun. we're dealing with the self-care. Um, so I wanted to go back and revisit composting. Okay. Uh, I need a, so it's easy I need to a reset, but um, just to kind of quickly go over what that means, like that really is just food waste. And really when you're talking about, well, not just food waste, it can be like grass clippings and um, yard waste as well. Um, 
but you want to have some area designated for it. So if you if you have a yard, if you're in a situation where you can do that, uh, and if you don't have a yard, there are still some options available. There are ways to compost and have it go somewhere else, but you need to have the systems in place really it's best if you're in a place where uh, there's community composting and that kind of thing, which uh, we don't really have in Georgia that I know we do the leaves and the clipping. Um, I think they're opening that back up, but you know, my sister lives in Colorado and people, wherever you are, they do community composting, even food scraps. Um, but we don't have that system here in Georgia be something to, to work towards. So, right. So if you have the ability to do it, you need an area in your yard. Uh, it should, it's ideally not right up next to the house ideally contained somehow um, because otherwise you're going to have a critter issue. Um, you want it to be, uh, I'm telling you, I learned that from experience. Um, um, you do not want any kind of protein in there. So no, uh, no meat, no dairy, uh, nothing like that. You also don't want any citrus because it's too um, acidic and it will, um, it will harm the plants that you're trying to get them to grow. So, so what I like to do with my citrus, can I just put a note in that is I like to put my citrus down the food disposal. If you have a food disposal, because it helps clean your food disposal and, um, and because you can't compost it or the other thing I've done with citrus, if I've done a lot, like when I've been, this is when I do plates for, for when we have gatherings in the past is I would take them and then I would cover them with um, vinegar and I would make a cleaning solution out of uh, the rinds. So there's all kinds of ways that you can reuse and repurpose your citrus, um, even so if it can't go in the compost. You can do the same thing with oil if you have like lemon peels and make like a wood finishing mm -hmm. um, oil. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there are things that you can do with citrus, but you can't compost it. Um, so you wanna have a good mix of uh, what they call green material and brown material. So brown material is anything that's sort of dead. Um, green material isn't necessarily green, but it's, it's stuff that is still, um, it, like watermelon rinds and, um, all kinds of things that are, um, that are green, um, when they go in there. So they're, they're more recently, um, they're more recently alive generally, and they have a lot of nitrogen. And you need a mix of that because if you have too much nitrogen in there, it's going to get really hot and it's going to burn your plant. So um, it's good for turning things into, into compost, but if you're about to put it on something, you want it to be mostly brown. So you need a mix of like no more than 60-40 of um, brown to, I mean green to, you want more brown than green. So 60% brown, 40% green, but it, you can go like 80, 20 is fine too. I have a question because um, big brother was, I don't think they were listening ahead of time. I think they just know us. Uh, so <laughs> uh, in, in my Facebook this morning, there was um, this composting system. This was actually before we decided to talk about this today about how you put it in. And it was about a worm composting system. So in a, I'm always curious about the red wigglers and the worms. Um, is it good to put worms in your compost? Worm composting is a whole other animal, and I don't really, I've never done it, so I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, it yeah, it's absolutely good. Worm castings are great. 
Yeah, um, I knew they were. I was just curious with traditional composting, if you had any opinion about just getting some worms and throwing them in traditional versus the what whole I system. Have, what I found just through trial and error, um, if you have a pile, if you have like a composting pile and it's on the ground and you've done it for a while, the worms will find you. Find you. So you don't need to introduce them. Yeah. Not really. I mean, the thing I've got now is I have a keyhole garden right? composting thing. So the compost is really up high. So I don't think I have any worms in it. Probably won't for years, but um, I'm not concerned about it. And really even the mix, I'm not concerned about either. Um, it's going to feed the plants. And I think mine is mostly food waste from meals. So it's mostly brown anyway. It's not going to mm -hmm. be a lot of green stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's easy. Once you get, once you get going with it, it's okay. If it's a mess, it's just, there's a, there's, you know, nature grades on a curve for sure. Um, wait, say that again. Nature grades on a curve. It's, it's, they're <laughs> not, you don't have to get it just right. It's fine. Um, nice. but yeah, so you take your, take your leaves, uh, and throw them in there. Take your, um, things that don't work so well are like sticks. You don't want, like, it's not, that's something that's going to be really hard to break down and you don't want to necessarily put in there. And how often do you recommend turning it? I think it depends on, on what you've got going on. You could never turn it and it'd probably still be fine. It just would be over time. <laughs> what? <laughs> My kind of composting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always do. I just to kind of mix it up because it speeds it up. If you, if right. you have, especially like, um, Steve and I have kind of worked out this deal where in the, in the summer he'll put a load, like for a while we had two going and he would put a load of, um, grass clippings in one and then there would be one from the previous week that had grass clippings in it so one's turning brown while one is also green and the okay. green is kind of forcing the heat down into the other one okay um I turned it a couple times because it gets real hard right but right. uh it like I, I can't really turn it in the uh, keyhole garden so it just right. keeps sinking down over time that's so fascinating not, I think, will you put some updated pictures of your keyhole garden and composting on our social media? Absolutely. I'm so proud of my peas right now. I can hardly stand it. So yeah, no problem. Nice. That's very exciting. Um, I had to move some of my container gardens because I realized they were not getting enough sun because they just were not growing quick enough. So I moved them and I will have updates hopefully in about a week or two. So. That's a good point too. You want to have a spot in your yard that's pretty sunny for this. Otherwise, it's mm -hmm. just going to be cool all the time and what you're going to have are a bunch of accidental plants, which is also fun. But um, Yeah, my compost has a little too much shade over it right now. I've got pumpkins, so that's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, like if you don't care that you have pumpkins, it's fine. It all works out. But, um, and you, and you know, it's a good composting, you know, the compost is pretty good because things are growing. So, um, right. yeah. And it's just a good way to, you'll be surprised how much, if you haven't ever done it before, you'll be surprised how much, uh, less trash you have to put out at the curb. If right. you don't have to put food waste in there. Um, right. and you can use things like, um, egg cartons are fine. Any kind of paper that's not, chemically treated overly um, can go in there as well. So it's, yeah. Well, and I don't know about you, but you know, our, our waste at the curb has definitely been higher since everybody's been home for two months. So yeah. I like the reset on this and um, the reminder of the incremental step of composting and, um, and kids love it. 
like really what I found is that if you have kids, young adults in your house, like composting's cool. Like they'll run it out to their, you know, get, you can get other people involved in not having to do it by yourself. I haven't experienced that, but that's a uh, nice <laughs> feedback. <laughs> My young adults could care less about the composting. <laughs> But, uh, well, you know, I've got a, I've got, got a, a budding farmer that, uh, is talking to me about our systems and how we do it. Um, so, um, yeah, it's awesome. Well, my friend, I have so enjoyed our conversation this morning. Um, I'm going to have to jump off. I am getting ready for, I don't know if I told you, I'm part of the Let's Reimagine Worldwide Festival that's going on right now about, um, reimagining life, love, and loss. And um, I've got a couple of workshops coming up on Wednesday. I'm doing one um, with my friend Cynthia, who does, um, she does mindful self-compassion. And so we're using interplay and mindful self-compassion to talk about your grief is valid and um, checking in with that. So I've got to go, I got to go jump on a planning meeting and. That sounds great. Let's, let's just quickly um, talk about like, what our, what should our next challenge be before we jump off? Oh, what should our next challenge be? Well, is it, is it anything to do with composting or, um, I think we should look at, um, let's look at reframing this in terms of, uh, of equity. Okay. What can, what can we do that anybody can do out of their house? Like maybe some DIY options for okay. healthy solutions, because I, I know that we are, the things that we've suggested so far come at a premium. And that's not available to everybody. So let's right. see what we can do to make it more equitable. Well, and in yes, because I know that I'm privileged that I live on a place where I can walk out and I have the ability to do a composting pile. Um, okay, so we're tell me again what we're looking for. So do it yourself. Let's look for something that we've re recommended in the past that we can DIY this time. Okay, okay, I like it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, you know, one of the things, um, if you're okay with us closing, I one of the poems that really keeps speaking to me during this time, um, of course, Mary Oliver is always one of my favorite. Oh, I love um, her. But um, I thought we'd close with her wild geese poem because oh, the geese have been favorite. talking to me um, in the labyrinth recently. So, So this is the poem Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes. Over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. I love that. Thank Always you, such you. a pleasure talking to you, my friend. I will um, see you soon.
Okay. Hopefully. <laughs> woman feels her power when her voice is being heard. A woman feels her power when her voice This has been the Incremental Steps podcast. Our theme music is A Woman Feels Her Power. Big thanks to Karen Drucker for letting us use it. Visit incrementalstepspodcast.com for all kinds of great information. We would love to hear from you.